everyone, I'm Monique. Welcome to the Find a Friend podcast, a podcast where we cover lifestyle, career, and more by finding a friend and hearing how they do what they do best. I hope along the way you learn something, feel inspired by their stories, empowered to ask questions, and motivated to achieve your own powerful goals. Let's do this. Hi friends, I am stoked to introduce you to this week's episode with Ken from Mouse Hacking. I first came across Ken's site when I was obsessively researching for my Disney trip last month. His site was so thorough and filled with all the great content that I was looking for, and I just knew I had to reach out to him to learn more about his story. To my surprise, he actually said yes when this little podcaster reached out to him, and I'm so happy to have gotten a chance to share his story. Ken is a nonprofit lawyer turned full-time Disney blogger. Yes, seriously. He runs the website mousehacking.com where he provides tips for people planning trips to Disney parks, along with other Disney destinations and theme parks. Dream job, am I right? Okay, enough of me talking. Let's get right on into the chat. You're going to love this episode. Hi, Ken. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so stoked to talk to you. Um, Let's just dive right on in. I mean, tell everybody a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today. So I'm Ken. I run the website mousehacking.com. It's a really bad play on words. Uh, It's supposed to be like a combination of travel hacking or life hacking and Disney. So mouse. Uh, So mouse hacking, not mouse hockey or anything. (laughs) Strange that people hear when I say that. Yeah, it's okay. I wouldn't have chosen the name if I knew the site was going to be successful, but (laughs) um, I'm kind of stuck with it now. So Uh, I started the site in December 2016, just kind of as a side hobby uh, to work on digital marketing skills, to experience kind of the blogging world and see how that goes. Uh, After I quit my job to travel for about 15 months uh, traveling, I took some time to uh, improve the site. Along the way, we also visited the Disney parks around the world, so that helped get me some content for the site. And then once we were back from traveling, we had gotten to the point where the site was doing well enough to uh, be a full-time job. So we were in Florida for about three or uh, maybe more, maybe about five months. Uh, And then we were in California for another month before moving back to Chicago. So during those months, we got a lot of content as well. And now I run the site full-time, making trips to Disney World and Disneyland and occasionally Disneyland Paris and hopefully the international resorts again soon, but uh, making trips when necessary to update content. That's incredible. And so did you grow up going to Disney? I mean, how did you decide to make a Disney-centric blog? So I did grow up going there. I went uh, about once a year, probably for a good 10-year chunk um, then stopped going probably around the time I was in college. Uh, went with my wife, Emily, a couple times before we were married. And then in mid-2016, I think we just kind of had a couple trips. We had a trip with my family and then a trip with her family. And then we went on a Disney cruise. And I think that kind of reignited uh, our interest in it, in Disney. And, you know, it's one of those stories where you know it was a 10-person family trip and we had to plan everything so we were those (laughs) people um and from there what really got me the idea of starting the blog i guess was partly just my interest in disney planning and the fact that i enjoyed it uh but also since i was planning this uh world travel trip 
I was learning a lot about travel hacking and credit card points and miles and all that. And just the intersection of that and Disney seemed like an interesting thing. So that's what the site was originally about. Uh, it had a lot of, and still, I mean, it has really old content now, but um, you know, it was about using credit card points and miles and that kind of stuff for Disney trips. Uh, it doesn't do that so much anymore but that's kind of how it develops. That's awesome. And so how do you maintain maintain your uniqueness in this market? Because I feel like obviously there's other resources and I mean, you openly refer to them in your blog and on your socials and stuff like that. So what makes your site unique compared to those other sites? Um, I mean, compared to the the top echelon of sites, honestly, I, I don't think there's too much that makes it unique. Um, I think we all have strengths and weaknesses. Um, what I try and do is I really focus on something I learned while traveling, uh, which was you would read a site looking for advice on, uh, you know, taking the bus to some tourist destination or buying a boat ticket or whatever. And they just never really had the level of detail that was necessary. Uh, when you're in a place and you don't speak the language, having someone just tell you in a blog post, you know, go to the ticket booth and buy a ticket is not always the most helpful advice. Uh, you have to know what the booth looks like. You have to know what to say to buy the ticket. You have to know how to make sure you're buying the correct ticket, all of those sorts of things. And so traveling, we kind of started to realize, you know, a lot of content out there doesn't have the detail uh, that's necessary to really convey it, convey the uh, situation to readers. So I try to bring that into Disney blogging and that's why I think a lot of my posts have details. They have a lot of pictures of, hey, that's, this is what this is going to look like. This is what time this is going to happen. Because you just don't want to have someone on the ground uh, trying to, trying to uh, understand what's you know, happening to them when they think they're about to have this you know, most magical day. And all of a sudden, um, maybe they go from being in the front of the pack to being in the back, back of the pack or something like that. So I try and just set people up with as much detail as possible. I don't think that makes me actually unique. I think there's a couple other people who do that. Uh, but I think that, you know, we all just kind of cover different things day in and day out. Uh, there, there's enough Disney stuff to be covered for, you know, at least the couple people at the top. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you work alone? Do you have guests come in and, and talk? Do you have an assistant or is it just all you? So I work pretty much completely alone. Uh, my wife does draft the occasional post for me. She also does a lot of editing uh, when I need it, which I could use a lot more editing. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's like, it's like anything else. You go back and you look at an old post and it's just filled with typos. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I so I do try and do it entirely on my own. Um, I would like to eventually expand and have people work for me, but it's also... Um, you know, I'm particular in, in how I produce things. So I do work with a travel agent, Lauren Quirk. She does all of my bookings these days, not every single one, but a good 90% of my bookings these days, uh, which is just interesting because, you know, when the site started out, like I said, it, it was about travel hacking and I was, you know, already an expert at booking Disney vacations, whatever that means. It's not that complicated of a process, but it also just becomes time consuming and it's just nice to have someone backing you up. So now I have Lauren do all that and she has gotten me some good discounts that I probably would have missed out on and also has 
kind of saved my butt a couple times when mm-hmm. plans didn't work out, like yeah. when the hurricane hit. So yeah, exactly. Um, and so how did your site gain traction in the beginning? So I know that you said that you've been doing this full time for about a year um, ish, give some change. And so in the beginning, you know, you obviously everyone starts off at zero. How did you gain the numbers? So pretty much everything, pretty much all of my traffic comes from Google these days. It's got to be at least probably 95%, if not more. Uh, I have some Pinterest traffic and uh, some Facebook, pretty much no Instagram because I don't even have swipe up. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Google, you know, what winds up happening is for the first year that the site's around, um, you know, nothing really gains traction with Google because they like to wait to make sure that your site is legitimate. You know, older sites tend to do better, but eventually posts do start to do well and you get your first one or two that actually, you know, maybe rank number one. And that's a big boost because then it kind of makes you feel like this actually can be done. Uh, There's a, you know, it sounds silly, but there's a big gap between I'm getting no traffic at all and great, you know, I've got one post ranking for number one, now I just have to do <laughs> yeah. 200 more times. <laughs> exactly. Um, 200 more times is a lot more doable than, you know, just feeling like you're staring at an abyss with, you know, no progress being made. So a couple posts, I think it was, I did a review of Keys to the Kingdom, um, which was is a backstage tour at Magic Kingdom, and I had a review of Club Level at Animal Kingdom Lodge, and those just started to do well on Google, and that kind of served as a reminder to me that, you know, you, you can do this. Uh, and from there, I decided to really jump on top of the uh, search engine optimization, the SEO, and start focusing on getting that Google traffic. So, you know, obviously you can see, I think if you look at my whole profile of things that I lag in other areas, um, social being the big one, you know, I don't have huge social followings, but that's because I put the resources into uh, building SEO. And it's also just, you know, it's an area that I'm better at than social. So, uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. And so you, we had said before we'd started recording that you used to be a lawyer for a nonprofit. How did you learn about SEO and marketing and all that sort of thing? Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts actually. Oh, Uh, you don't say. I started by, I listened to, uh, Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income um, a lot when I was uh, working as a lawyer. And that wasn't just because it wasn't, I wasn't planning on quitting my job at that point. Um, I, was, I, I was and continued to be passionate about uh, nonprofit work and uh, improving operations in those areas. I actually, while I was traveling, I also volunteered for that nonprofit doing their digital marketing. So okay. um, I was interested in, in, you know, just that area of things uh, in digital marketing for, you know, potentially nonprofits, but obviously also potentially for my own, own stuff. So I listened to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of things online. Um, I never had any, you know, I never did any online courses or any formal training like that. Uh, a lot of it is just kind of learning it as you go, you know, you, sure, yeah. you read an article by Neil Patel who says, try these 20 things to boost your SEO. And then for the next week, you're just editing all your posts and yeah. see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what does an average day look like for you? 
It depends. Uh, if I'm at the parks, that's typically, so if I'm in, you know, California or Florida, that's typically about 6 a.m. to midnight of um, go, go, go. Wow. Okay. I try and do, I, I try and mimic kind of what I tell my readers to do. I think that's an important part of it. You know, you want to be out there showing that your advice actually works. Um, so I, you know, I, not everyone's getting up at 6 a.m., but I do other stuff before I go to the parks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, while I'm at the parks, I'm kind of switching between, you know, hey, what's next on the schedule for today? And also sometimes I just have to get, you know, new content. So I'm kind of fitting that in along the way. And then, you know, parks usually don't close until nine or 10. And then after I get home, I have to at least make sure I take a couple notes about the day. Otherwise I won't remember anything that happened and uh, I'll have trouble writing a post about it a week later. Uh, yeah. Not at the parks. So I live in Chicago, uh, downtown. Uh, typically I work from about 8 a.m. until 6 p.m., probably about uh, 8 a.m. or 9, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., probably about six days a week. I'm not really a fan of weekends, so I take Saturdays off, but usually I work during Sundays. Okay. Uh, and it just depends. So I do, uh, you know, some days I'm drafting emails and scheduling emails and scheduling social posts. Uh, I have to update a lot of content. So I have a content calendar. It's a Google sheet that just indicates when my next update for a post has to be, you know, what the next big thing happening is that I have to update content. I've got about 200 to 250 active posts right now. So, wow. Okay. Um, you know, most of the time I'm going and updating those. And then occasionally I just feel like I need to be writing something new. So I'll dig up an idea and just, you know, put the headphones on and um, power through writing some new posts. Okay. And where do you go to find those news, like new, new Disney news? So I get a lot of my news on Twitter. I follow um, sites like blog Mickey and WDW news today. Um, the Disney Parks blog is, you know, the official source and they have s- some good stuff, although you, you have to cut through a lot of it to kind of figure out what's actually going on sometimes. Um, yeah, so and I, I do hear about a lot of stuff on Twitter. So for the most part, I'm focused on big changes. Yeah. Um, if there's small changes, I'll update, you know, the, the content a little, but uh, for the most part, you know, as long as it's not a new show starting or a new ride opening, um, it doesn't impact my content too much. But. Sure, sure. Okay. And what are some website features that every like small business owner should have? Because I love the way that your website is structured and organized. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, so uh, I don't think about the way the site's organized much um, just because I get so much traffic from, yeah. from SEO. So people are coming, they're reading, you know, one post that, is hopefully keeping them engaged for a long time. And then usually they're leaving, uh, you know, sometimes they'll subscribe based on what they see on that post, but it's not a ton of people who are, you know, coming and seeing, Hey, what's the latest thing on mouse hacking, mm-hmm. which given the nature of the posts, it, it doesn't, you know, a lot of it is small changes. You don't need to read what the latest thing in Epcot fast passes today. Yeah. You know, you're going on your trip in, two months and that's really the only time that you're going to care about it. Um, but as far as, uh, things, I mean, small businesses, you know, I'm biased in what I do. And I think that having a blog is a really important thing. Obviously, you know, social feeds are an important part of that too, 
but blogs are the way that you put yourself out in the world as an expert. And they also add a layer of humanity to what you're doing. Uh, I just remember when I was applying for internships as a law student and I would look at some nonprofit websites and I just, there was a, you know, they had no pictures of people. Everything seemed a little out of date and it just had this sense of like, are you even real? Mm-hmm. Um, a blog that's current, that's ongoing, that shows that you're active in, um, in the community or, you know, in the industry uh, really gives people a sense that you're a real person and someone that they're going to want to work with. Mm-hmm. If you just have a static old website that doesn't look like it's ever changing, it, there's just, there's no humanity or realness to it. Exactly. And so you had mentioned a couple of your posts that, you know, were the first ones that, that sparked, you know, that they were going to be the most popular. What are some other posts that are super popular on your site? So uh, our fast pass content is pretty popular. That's, uh, I think, about 20% of our traffic for those uh, those five posts. Uh, after that, though, it actually pretty much evens out. Uh, I remember about a year ago when I probably only had, I don't know, 100, maybe uh, about 100 active posts, you constantly live in fear that your top three that are like 30% of your traffic are just going to get dinged by Google. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you feel like you're losing everything. So, you know, writing a lot of hotel reviews, uh, the, you know, that's a lot of my traffic. Um, you know, writing that stuff really helps diversify where, you know, what's getting read. So now besides those fast pass posts that do represent, you know, a slightly disproportionate, most of my posts are just around uh, 2% or less of my traffic. So that kind of just varies based on, um, you know, what Google is ranking us for, you know, a, a, a hotel review might go from, you know, one to three or three to one, and that's a huge change in traffic. So. Sure. Sure. Okay. And uh, going back to the parks, how often do you travel to the parks in a year or in this past year? How often did you go? So we go about once a month. Uh, It does vary. There's typically about probably about six things that we just have to go to at Walt Disney World. So like the first Halloween party, the first Christmas party, um, you know, Galaxy's Edge opening. Uh, and the new Galaxy's Edge ride opening. So there's, you know, those things that we have to go to. And then, of course, you know, you go to um, you go to the opening of something and that's really nice and fun, but everything is going to be different, you know, six weeks after it opens because the crowds are going to have changed and all that sorts of stuff. So then we have to go in between. So typically about one trip a month um, to either of the either of the coasts. It does vary. So like October, we have trips to... Uh, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris planned. And oh my then, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, next year I'm targeting about about one trip a month. I think that's a good amount to kind of keep my ear on the ground and make sure I know what's going on. Yeah, and are these like week-long trips or long weekends? How long are they? Uh, typically, I try and aim for about five days. Okay. Uh, in Florida, that's enough to go to each park for one morning. Plus, you know, you have a bonus morning if you need to try something again. Um, and then in California, I mean, California, I could do in less time, but it's also, um, you know, five days isn't that much. And there's pretty reasonably priced hotels out there too. So. Okay. Okay. And last question, just about the blogging aspects. What are some things that you did in this first year of blogging uh, that went well? And what are some things that you would change if you could start it from the beginning again? 
So I think the, the most important thing I did well was when I started, you know, two years ago or whatever, I really, actually, I guess nearly three years now, um, I just started with the stuff I was interested in. Um, and the reason that that's important is even though that was probably 50 posts that nowadays get no traffic, it still really helped me, you know, build those first 50 posts that I was really interested in the topic. So I was recently working on building another site unrelated to Disney and I burnt out of it really quickly. And I realized looking back on it that the reason I burnt out of it was because I instantly went to the mode that I'm in now, which is do the keyword research, write 4,000 words about a topic, yada, yada, yada. And I just didn't have any passion for the stuff that was, you know, that were the big name, like go-to keywords. Um, if I had started just writing 50 posts of things that I'm passionate about um, and that I want to enjoy, then that's an easy way to, to build up content. So I think that that was something that worked out really well that I started mm -hmm. doing. One thing I really regret is pretty much all of the time that I spent attempting to monetize my site to make money on it in the first year. That was all a big waste of time. Uh-huh. And why is that? So it's not to say it'll be true in every niche, um, but particularly just the way that my site's designed, you know, almost all of my income comes from ads, which mm -hmm. I'm sorry to readers who have to deal with that, but it's <laughs> the price that readers have to pay for content, unfortunately. Sure. Um, but... I made, I've actually made more in my first day. Once you get to a certain size, you can join a publisher network. Um, I'm with Mediavine. If you go on my website, you know, my ads say like powered by Mediavine or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I made more in my first day with Mediavine than I did in a year, you know, before I had them. Oh my so, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. If I had just invested my time in building my content, I mean, I would spend, you know, days trying to put my, Google ads in the right spot and all that kind of stuff. And that was all just wasted time. Yeah. Um, I would not do any of that. Now, you know, if your niche is different, if you're doing more affiliate marketing, stuff like that, it's obviously a little different. But if you're looking to monetize, you know, with ads, um, I definitely should have just spent the time building up the site rather than trying to, you know, put one ad in the right spot. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, we live in this instant culture where everybody just wants things today. And, you know, we get so frustrated when things don't work out how you want it to after having, you know, a podcast for three days or, you know, yeah. a blog for three days. So totally can relate on that. Um, so just like kind of segueing to um, the more selfish parks, of course, I have a lot of questions about Disney and I'm sure that people will um, want you to answer as an expert questions about Disney. So what are some of the most popular questions that you get asked? Uh, so pretty much all the popular questions I get asked are answered on my website, but people still ask anyways. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't blame them. A lot of people come, a lot of people find me on social and yeah. they don't know about the website. Um, I get asked a lot about, you know, what fast passes to pick or what rides people should start with mm -hmm. uh, in the morning. You know, those are kind of the most common things. Um, occasionally someone has like an interesting situation. Uh, but for the most part, you know, fast passes and, and ride orders are what people tend to ask about. Yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite Disney resort and why? So, um, like favorite hotel? Yes. So, and probably Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, it's reasonably priced as far as Disney's deluxe hotels go. Um, and, you know, because of that, 
it's you have a little quote unquote extra money if you need to Uber anywhere because it's the it, it's not a great park as far as transportation or a great hotel as far as transportation goes. Um, but it has great restaurants. They have the Savannah out back, so that has animals, and that's pretty awesome. We always get a Savannah view room, which is also amazing. But even without a Savannah view room, you can just head down to the back of the the back of the lobby and watch the animals on the savannah so it's a great hotel it's beautiful inside and has great restaurants and we're also big fans of pop century uh on the value end Mm -hmm. i think i don't too many people just kind of ignore the value resorts but uh we think they're just a ton of fun they have this unmistakable energy about them um and i don't know we we really love it most of the time most of our stays we stay at pop century uh, occasionally all-star movies. I also really like the rooms at Pop Century and all-star movies, which have been a little bit controversial since they got refurbished. A lot of people think that they're bland, but uh, I find them very utilitarian and I don't want to be hanging out in my room at Pop Century anyways. So it having you know the necessary utility is, is good enough for me. Okay. And uh, what is your favorite ride at each of the Walt Disney World parks? So, uh, so I have a ride ranking post, but I'm sure I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna remember exactly what order I put things in. Um, also the ride ranking post is meant to be a little more objective. I would say probably at, uh, at Magic Kingdom, I really like Haunted Mansion and People Mover. Animal Kingdom, I'm a big fan of Expedition Everest. Uh, Epcot, uh, Spaceship Earth, uh, I think is a fantastic ride. And then at uh, Hollywood Studios, Tower of Terror. Okay. I feel like there's such a huge divide between people who like People Mover and people who just don't get it. I mean, that probably is a, shows the bias that my answer for, you know, if I like the People Mover or not. But there's so many people that are like, yeah, I just, what's the point? But I love it. So I'm glad that you like it as well. Yeah. I mean, People Mover is an interesting, there's a, there's a lot. So especially they don't have People Mover in Disneyland anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's a necessary Florida ride. Florida has a lot of these. I mean, for instance, they also have, you know, Carousel of Progress, which is indoors. They have more indoor attractions in Florida because of the heat. Mm-hmm. And you know, People Mover is one of those. It's just, it's perfect if it's 2 p.m. Uh, and you know, the weights have been, decently long. I mean, I'm sure they're not right now because the parks have been empty, but the waits were getting up to about 20 minutes in the afternoon. But either way, you know, 20 minutes to just kind of sit back and relax um, and enjoy a cool, you know, backstagey kind of experience. I don't know. I yeah, I love it. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic addition. I uh, agree. Unlike pretty much anything else in any of the Disney parks. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so one of the things that kind of drew me to your site and I just got stuck in the rabbit hole was this whole rope shop park opening strategy, which growing up, obviously my parents never utilized that because it was like me and my siblings and, you know, kids don't understand, you know, the value and getting up at six o'clock, right? Um, sure. So you just want to like quickly explain that and, you know, just let everybody know how long it took you to develop this strategy. Sure. So uh, rope drop as a term, uh, even though I just kind of use it loosely and I never, I ignore that people don't actually know what it means. <laughs> rope drop refers to the actual procedures used when a park opens. I think if you're used to going to a lot of theme parks and you'd think that, um, you know, at 9am they just start letting people in. Uh, that's not how it happens at Disney parks or universal parks or any really busy theme parks. There's typically 
you know, they let people into the parks uh, a little bit earlier than 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever the opening time is. They let people in a little early. They hold them at different points around the park. And then from there, you know, they'll escort you to the rides or, you know, however, however it happens in a specific park. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know at what point I realized how important rope drop was. Um, it's definitely, you know, I'm not the first person to talk about it and I hopefully won't be the last. I'm sure it'll just continue to be important in theme park blogging and especially as, um, you know, the parks get bigger and more complicated and all that. Uh, but really, you know, at some point you take, you go from, at some point you arrive at a park you know, just 15 minutes early and something goes wrong and now you feel like your entire morning is ruined. And that's when you start to think like, hey, maybe this is actually something important that I need to put effort into understanding and getting Mm -hmm. right. And I think it just kind of snowballs from there where um, it stops being just about, you know, being the first person on one ride as much as it is about staying ahead of the crowds for that entire first hour or two that the park is open, which is really what it's about. You know, if you, if you go, you can walk up to any park, you know, right when it's open um, with a few exceptions and, you know, walk onto a lot of rides right away. It's not about just walking right onto one ride. Um, it's about taking this, you know, critical two hours of the day, staying ahead of the crowds and, you know, walking onto half a dozen rides, if not yeah. more. I mean, if, at Disneyland, if you do it right, you can have, you know, half the rides done in about three hours or something like that. So, um, yeah, and, and as far as that specific parks, you can get most of Rope Drop correct with a handful of visits. I mean, maybe five, you know, you don't want to do it just one because you'll never get the, the ride order right the first time. You're going to be surprised by you know, where people go for whatever reason. Um, but after that, then, you know, after those, you know, five visits and you've got the strategy, it's still always changing. You know, they're changing where they hold people in the parks and that changes things or a new ride opens. Um, you know, a good example of something that seems maybe minor is they have the Skyliner opening at Disney World in a couple of days. And that means more people are going to be at the World Showcase entrance, which means probably more people are going to start their day at Frozen because that's over there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that kind of changes how important the different different approaches to the morning are. So. Yeah, I freaking loved it. I mean, I literally had screenshot every page in case there was a part in the park where I lost service and I was just like, okay. And I know like you also say like, don't follow this line by line because it's not going to work every time for everybody. But I was just sitting there and I was like, okay, done that, like onto the next thing. And yeah, it just, it worked great. And then I repeated it when I went back to Disney World because I ended up going back. There was that storm that we had talked about that we were both caught in uh, about a month ago, I guess now, three weeks ago. So I'd gone back like the next weekend and uh, to kind of finish up that trip. And again, like took out all the screenshots and like line by line. And it was like so effective. And I was just so mind blown. I felt like I attacked the whole system. Um, so kudos, cause it was amazing. I loved it. I could literally rave about it all day long. Yeah, I mean, it, it does, it, it works really well when it works. I mean, and if you're yeah. there early enough and you've got the right order correct, it, you'll rarely run into problems. I mean, even we were there last Christmas and even Christmas Day, I remember we were there Christmas Eve, um, but even even that day went went pretty smoothly. You know, every so often things just do go wrong. I have one in my Animal Kingdom Fast Pass post where 
I talk about getting there. It was President's Day weekend, and I just completely ignored that. And I showed mm-hmm. up there, um, you know, later than was ideal on a on a holiday. So uh, things do go wrong for me sometimes, but, <laughs> which is why I tell you know, which is why I have all those disclaimers in there that it's not you know. I don't like to have those disclaimers, but I think I would just, I hate to, I would hate for someone to read something and just think that like, this is how it's going to be every day. Exactly. Um, exactly. No, I completely understand. Prepared, so. That's awesome. And so what's next for your blog and your trips and all of that? Talk about that. So we've got, uh, we're actually heading to Disney World in a couple days for the uh, end of Illuminations, which we're pretty sad about, um, mm-hmm. and the start of Epcot Forever and to check out the Skyliner. Uh, we've, then we're going, uh, we come back for one day and then we're heading to California for uh, their new Halloween party. Um, I don't cover the details of Disneyland so much, so I'm actually pretty excited because I haven't read any spoilers of you know what to expect from this party, so mm-hmm. that'll be fun to experience. Uh, and then we're going to Disneyland Paris, try and take at least one or two trips there each year um, and I don't know, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to, I, I always like going to Paris and it's nice to, to be able to offer readers, uh, something that a lot of them are really not familiar with, but want sure. to know more about. And then well, as far as future goes, uh, we're thinking that in 2020, we're going to try and expand to some other theme parks. Uh, we'll never lose our Disney core, but we did get a lot of really good feedback about our Universal Orlando content. Mm-hmm. So I think just, you know, branching out, uh, we're thinking about doing the top 20 uh, theme parks by attendance in North America. So 20 in 2020. Cool. Um, That's awesome. And if nothing else, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that does as far as web traffic goes. But if nothing else, it's always a good opportunity to kind of uh, tune the the skills that are involved in design. <laughs> visiting theme parks because uh, it's a very skills-based industry of course of course yeah yeah um but it's it's good to good to try something new every so often so that's awesome no i love that and i think that you know as a business owner it's really important to be flexible so it's awesome that you kind of touched on that that you know if your audience is wanting more of something else to feed that and to not let it just be something selfish where you're like oh but i'm really passionate about disney and you know sticking to yeah. what you know already and what you're an expert at already or whatever um cool Cool. Well, now we're just going to get into some wrap-up questions. What keeps you motivated? Uh, so I think my wife and I keep each other motivated. Um, we're both very action-oriented people. Uh, I think that once you come to believe in your your capabilities, the difference between accomplishing something and not accomplishing it is simply acting. So uh, we also both work from home. So, you know, it's hard to rest and kind of pull up the gas if you've got someone in front of you who's doing really cool stuff too. So uh, I think we keep each other motivated and hold each other accountable. Cool. Okay. I love that. And what's the best piece of advice that you've heard lately? So I think it was from Pat Flynn. I I think I heard him say it, but I could have read it somewhere else. Uh, But it was that to basically to help people to, you know, give advice online, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to know everything about a topic. You just have to know more than the people who are asking for help. Um, I don't think that's 
perfect advice, but I do think <laughs> it's very good advice. I, it's really important to remember that when, you know, you might not be, I, I'm certainly, I don't know how, for instance, the Disney World Fast Pass uh, like computer system works. I don't yeah, know how yeah. many fast passes are available on any given day. I don't know everything about it, uh, but I do know more than a lot of people who are looking for help. And that's the important thing is that, and also why, why, you know, have all those disclaimers and, and things where I say, Hey, like I'm just a person who's out here <laughs> yeah. do this, trying to share what I can with you. So I think that's important. I think it's important to remember that you can help people even if you're not, you know, the number one expert on something. I love that. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, awesome. Well, do you want to go ahead and let people know where they can find you, your website, and uh, your socials? Sure. The website is uh, mousehacking.com. And I can be found on Instagram, most commonly, uh, at mousehacking. Also on Twitter, but I do deactivate that account every like three weeks because Twitter can be an awful place. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, usually easier to find me on Instagram, also on Facebook. All of those are at Mouse Hacking, also on Pinterest. Um, yeah, and Instagram, we're, you know, anytime we're on the trips, we are very active on our Instagram stories. And even if we're not, we're always happy to answer questions. So if you ever need anything, you can always, or most of the time, you can find me there. Or if not, it's probably already answered in a post on the site. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. And to everybody listening, definitely check out the website and the socials. It was a lifesaver when I was putting out my trips. Everybody knows how type A I am. So yeah, definitely go have a listen. Details of this episode can be found on our site, findyourfriendpodcast.com. Keep up with us on Instagram at findyourfriendpodcast and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your fave podcast. Thanks for listening.